0: Piper Fast Agent Nation. Today, we've got an amazing guest on the show. He's got a very, very, very diverse background. So he's going to be able to offer some insights that can help real estate agents in a lot of different ways, really any entrepreneur in a lot of different ways. He's had a real estate career as an agent. He has owned rental properties. He built out a property management Technology platform, built his own marketing agency before landing his dream job at Avail. He's also the host of the podcast Tech Nest. Welcome to the show, Nate Smoyer. All right, welcome to the show today, Nate. I'm excited to have you on the Hyperfast Agent podcast and, and YouTube and get you in front of all of our listeners. I know
1: you've got an amazing background, so I can't wait to dive in. Well, I appreciate it. I'm excited to be on this side of the microphone. Uh, I just realized I still have like some like sketchy drawings here on the, on the whiteboard behind me, but maybe we'll, we'll get into it. We'll do some live whiteboarding. Who knows? Yeah, but, uh, we could, uh, yeah we could get Thank into that chicken sh- get into that chicken scratch behind you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, excited to be here
0: no it's it's always cool to have someone who runs a, a big podcast like you on the show because it's uh you know it's a chance for you to to kind of be on the other side because a lot of times when you're the one doing the interviewing, asking the questions, like it's almost like the the listeners are talking to to other people but not, but not you. so this is uh, it's always fun for me.
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll be good. I, I, love, I love it. Uh, I love talking to people who, uh, on the TechNest podcast, all the leaders and innovators in PropTech, I mean, that's, that's the focus, that's the, the aim of it, and get into a, a lot of really great conversations, so kind of almost fulfilling my dream of being a talk radio show host.
0: Well, why don't you, why don't you give us the, uh, the quick 60-second bio of, of how you ended up where, where you are now, because it's a pretty interesting story.
1: Yeah, well, I'll start where I'm at and, we, and then uh, we'll, we'll work into the backstory on it. But uh, currently, director of marketing at a company called Avail. Uh, we help your DIY or independent landlord manage their own properties, everything from listing, leasing, uh, screening, and payments. And uh, really made my way into prop tech through my podcast, which is called Tech Nest. Uh, purpose of the show is to feature leaders and innovators in real estate tech to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. And the whole premise to what the journey I'm on now and mission I'm on is, you know, I believe that real estate is a, is the most interesting and fascinating uh, subject and topic. And I, I love just talking about all aspects of it, but I think the business has so much to improve and uh, we owe it to consumers to work towards that. And I, as a businessman myself, I can't help but realize that hey, where there's friction, is business opportunity, so that's kind of why I've kind of brought all that together to go all in on prop tech as my focus.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely I think uh, an area in the market that probably could use a lot of help because it's it's managing properties is hard, and there's like a lot of real estate agents who kind of dabble in it on the side. and I, Most of them probably struggle to, to do a good job, and there just doesn't seem to be a
1: ton of amazing
0: operators out there that. that really focus on it. So any, any help there, I think, is awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, your, your, your DIY landlord is typically has a full-time job, just like myself. They, they've got something that takes their full-time focus, and then maybe they have a family, and then maybe they have a hobby. And so what time is left after that is not very much. And so we, we see it as, you know, our tools are both giving them the advantage of giving their time back by automating some of the tedious processes and making them simple, but also giving them the system. You know, if your tenant moves out every two years, that means you're doing something every two years. How can you master that? How can you get really good at that? And part of mastery is having systems. And, uh, you know, we, we provide that. So there's no thought. There's no reinventing the wheel each time you do it. You just follow, you know, the, the wizard, if you will, that we've created that helps a landlord manage their own property. And, you know, I, I think it helps. I use it. <laughs> so does a whole lot of other people.
0: <laughs> how many, how many properties or, or
1: doors does your typical client have? That's a great question. So um, there's about 8 million, well, there's really be tw- between 10 and 12 million landlords in the US. And this is pulled from census data based on uh, taxes, you know, what? when they file their income. Of them, about 8 million self-manage. And of them, the majority of them, and I believe it's like 24 million rental properties, they have somewhere between like one and 10, but even most of it is in that like one to four range of units. And a lot of that just has to do with it. They're full-time employees. They've got something on the side. Maybe they did a house hack. Maybe they inherited something, became an accidental landlord, which has you know, skyrocketed during the last recession, accidental landlords. They moved for a job. They didn't sell the house because they couldn't. Now they're a landlord. And so... This is a segment of the market that's very disjointed, very segmented, and doesn't get a lot of attention from bigger technology companies because it's hard to reach them. And you have to reach them one at a time. And so this has kind of been the focus, though, because we see this as like, hey, these are the landlords that everybody's dealing with. You know, Some 45 million renters across America work with an independent landlord like this. And by giving them the systems and tools to make them better at being a landlord, that means the rental experience is better. That can improve relationships, the smoothness, and you know it can even improve tenant retention. You know, do you want to risk moving somewhere to save fifty or hundred bucks a month, or do you just keep with the landlord you got now because everything runs really nicely? And you know, we see that as as a positive for everybody. Yeah,
0: I think that that's this is a group of people that probably needs a lot of help because managing like one, two, three, four is. Is is pretty hard because that's enough that it's a, it's a pain in the butt, but it's it's not enough to where you can really hire someone and and a right property managers are going to eat into a lot of your you know a lot of your cash flow that it, you mm-hmm. know, with with that little of units. So it's this is probably an area that is is so hard for most people that they they probably don't. Kind of grow to that next level. A lot of them probably just get frustrated. I'm guessing. And, and
1: there's a yeah, there's a lot of frustration, and it can be tough to figure everything out. And if you're managing it yourself, the common perception is you have to do everything yourself. But you know, I, I you know personally, I, I try to allocate no less than a full month out of the year of rent towards improvements. So what what can I do to get the property nicer, make it look better? Because that protects me with being able to raise the rent. You can't just raise the rent without making it better. I guess you can in some markets. But at some point, there's a ceiling. And I want to attract the best tenants, people who want a nice place, who want to care for a nice place, who want to call it home. Because while they live there, that's their home and really see it that way. So, you know, I allocate a a whole month rent towards improvements, at least. And then when I want to make improvements, if they require special skills or tools, I hire. I, I don't even question it. You know, what am I best at? What's my time best spent? And truthfully, like this year, it's going to be not painting the house. It's someone else painting the house. <laughs> I don't want to, first off, I don't want to have to fly back to Washington from Chicago to do it. Uh, but I don't want to have to go pick out the paint and figure that out. I don't want to have to get scrapers and everything else. You know, hire a painter who's got all that stuff. And then they're going to do a better job anyway. They know how to do it better than I do. I could do it, but it wouldn't make as much sense. And I wouldn't get my value out of it by not hiring someone else.
0: Yeah, I think I think sometimes you got to look at it like the solo agent that is doing well enough to to hire a transaction coordinator and assistant, but for some reason doesn't. Like there's there's going to be a lot of things if if you're in that one to four unit level that you know even though you're doing it yourself, you you need the you need to outsource.
1: There might be some pro agents who would disagree with me, and that's totally fine because uh, I'm not a pro agent. But uh, transaction coordinators are the unsung heroes. Thank God for transaction coordinators. I would have never closed the deals of real estate agent without transaction coordinators. <laughs> that and that's the truth.
0: And so, so I I heard you say you're in Chicago now. I know originally you're from the East Coast, but you were in yep. Washington, and I f- believe you you went out there. That's how you got into to, to real estate, right? When you were selling homes.
1: Yeah. So, man, my my journey in real estate is just. It's genuinely all over the place. I was 14 years old. I was installing hardwood floors inside of Pulte Track Homes. When I turned 19, I uh, started my first, no, my second business. And I was doing hardwood floors on my own. So now I was doing them with different contractors and all over. Then I moved into carpet. I had some knee injuries. So then I got out of the flooring business and started selling paint for sure. Williams, working with contractors. I went to work for a track home builder that was the largest in the Tri-State area, privately held TH properties. And through all that, I was also like looking at these late night infomercials. Like I was one of those guys watching the late night infomercials and I saw the commercial that said, Come learn the secrets on how to buy a house, no money down. And I went to Philly, I went to the seminar, I sat there for four hours. I had my brain drilled with all these, you know, so-called secrets. And then they told me I needed to pony up a few thousand bucks to get the system on how to buy my first house. And of course, I didn't have the cash and I never went through with it. And I I didn't have the people and I hadn't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad yet. So I didn't have the knowledge. And it wasn't until several years later, I find myself in Washington. I've left my job at a software company and kind of figuring things out. I I started working remote for an ad tech company. And I realized after I bought my... My first house, and I became—I was house hacking it. So I was renting out the bedrooms. I had the garage, I'm renting out the garage. I'm like, man, real estate was hard. This transaction was very painful, and I thought through all the pain points I experienced working with a few different agents. Because I think I worked with like maybe six agents, like on trying to buy a house, and then I went and bought it for one it for owner.
0: one for one house.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, wow. and I didn't fire any of them you know, what really happened was not one of them ever introduced a, what's called a a buyer agency consultation. Not one of them showed me a buyer agency agreement. Not one of them showed me or told me, Hey, if I'm showing you homes, like I'm working with you, but I also want you to work with me. So I would just, I was just clicking more info on Zillow and Redfin and a new agent would pop up and a new agent would open the door. And one day I found a for sale by owner. I went by myself and then I called the guy who probably showed me 10 houses and said, hey, thanks so much for your help. I just put an offer in that got accepted. You know, and I went through all these experiences and then uh, wow. kind of here comes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then here comes Ben Kinney uh, and full on showed up, looked at my profile on LinkedIn. I'm like, why is this guy? Who is this guy? And I, I researched him like, this guy lives in my hometown. Is this or, or where I was living? I'm like, this doesn't seem real. I'm reading his credentials and I'm like full on Google lurking him, like just looking at everything. So I replied back to him and sent him a connection request. I was like, Hey, you're local. Love to meet and chat. And he took a meeting, he asked me if I want a, a, a latte or a smoothie, which then I looked at my wife. I was like, this is weird. I'm getting set up. Like who offers a smoothie? It was at, you know, basically that was the seed planted, you know, six months later after having read millionaire real estate agent, texted Ben said, Hey man, I I think I want to do this business. I'm going to get my license. I'm interviewing a few other brokerages. And he's like, well, when you're ready, give me a call. And you know, basically, uh, yeah, it was like February, 2017, I think it was. I, I quit my job at the ad tech company, got my license. And the day I left the ad tech company, I showed up at the Ben Kinney offices. I was like, all right guys, let's go to work. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of, that was, that was really what kicked off everything into me finding my way into prop tech. Did you,
0: did you have a latte or a smoothie?
1: (laughs) I got a coffee. Yeah. I think I just did a regular like coffee and he got me a large, which I really appreciate because you got to understand the, the Northwest coffee consumption is real. It really is. Yeah. No,
0: Carrie is from Oregon. So we're, we're, uh, I'm always amazed at like how many of these little drive-in stands they have. It's, it's, But when you have,
1: you know, two months, (laughs) I'm sitting here. Yeah. I'm sitting here with the full French press yet.
0: (laughs) You need it when there's only like two or three months of sunlight. So (laughs) that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it it was kind of crazy. What's even crazier about that whole experience is uh, so Jalene Snell is the like team manager there. She's total boss. And uh, she goes, uh, Hey, what are you doing next week? And I'm like, well, I quit my job. So I assume working as a real estate agent. And she goes, can you go to Vegas? (laughs) Like, I, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) And then like my, like I got, I signed paperwork. I joined the team. It was basically Monday. I go to family reunion. It was like, wait, what a way to, to become a real estate agent of like, literally I've been an agent for like two days and I'm at family reunion. My head was like exploding with what, I mean, I had no idea I was getting into still, but, uh, it it was pretty gnarly to, to go through an experience like that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a great way to kick off your real estate careers. Uh,
1: two days in go to KW family reunion in Las Vegas. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was cool though. I, uh, learned a lot on that for sure.
0: So how, how was your experience, you know, on the team? How, how long did you do it? And, and, uh, before you, you know, moved across the country again.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, right. Unfortunately, I only stayed on team until, uh, actively until like September. So it was only really like a seven month stint. And that was some of the hardest seven months I've ever done. In full transparency, as a residential real estate agent, I'm the worst. (laughs) And not the, and maybe not the worst, right? Because I think I did a lot of things right that I saw some of my peers not doing. Even though they were making more money, I think I was doing things right. True to, to true to Millionaire real estate agent, leads listings leverage. I I, I don't care what business it, you this is one of the things I, I have so much respect for Gary Keller and what he's built as systems and laid out. There you can take that model to anything and it'll work. And so I only went after listings. I don't want to work with buyers because I'm not good at I I don't think I have like a good like first, like Impression with people, open houses. I never got a meeting off open houses, and I did two a week every week. Never got anything off that because I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just personality scripts. Maybe I was saying the wrong things to the wrong people at the wrong time. Very possible. But so I only went after listings, which meant I went, you know, my first five months without a paycheck is what that meant. But once I got one and the confidence kind of built, I, I was really starting to build. A good presence for myself and a good little business. And my last month as an agent, I think I put uh, seven or eight properties on the market. I I think I was like in the process of now moving to Nashville, and I had four pending. I was like, okay, we got a business. (laughs) and I'm moving, (laughs) you know. And it was tough, and it was kind of cool. I have got an Alexa, one of those like uh, Amazon Alexas as a prize because I took a I took home the the listings challenge award for rookie agents in, in the office, not just on the team in the whole office. And for me, you know, even though I wasn't the making the most money, of course, I wasn't doing the most closings because I was doing nothing almost on the buy side. Uh, I had a few buys and they were like some weird deals, which is like my calling card in real estate. If it's a weird deal, I'm interested. If it's a three, two with a nice yard and attached garage with your quartz countertops, it sounds boring. And I couldn't tell you anything about it or give you a good price point. And, but I, I learned so much in that process of how to build a business of how to stay disciplined in my time blocking on what's going to build a long-term business, which was the listings, the listings more than anything. Cause I, the next year I, I you know, people were calling me for, Hey, can you help me out with a deal? Can you, I still get calls. Can you help me out with a deal? I'm not, I'm not working as an agent anymore, but let me tell you what I can I'm love to talk to you about it. And then I've got some great people I can introduce you to. And you know they can handle that and I'll we'll work at all that, but it, it was a uh, yeah that seven month period. I'm, I, it's just so amazing to look back on it of how little money I made and how much I walked away in learning. And had I chased more money, I would have missed all those those lessons. I would have missed all those learnings. And I what I took away from being on the team actually helped my agency. You know my my uh, marketing agency that I ended up starting while I was in Nashville, uh, when we moved to Tennessee. So it was, it was like, I would put it as say, I would say this, it was twice as valuable, if not more than college by far. And it cost me less really. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you, you did awesome. And, and I mean, you, you, left right at that, that hockey stick curve in, in the graph, which I think is, is the track a lot of agents take some it's three or four months, some it's, you know, six or seven, some it's a year, but it, it's this yeah. concept that agents struggle with of putting in their work and knowing that the results are going to come. And, and you got like, right to that point, it, it sounds like where it was about to like take off and then circumstance, you know, you had to move.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you one of the things that I could have never anticipated, but one my very first client we listed and then helped, Help them buy, so she's right down the street from one, my rental, and so I was calling that neighborhood, of course, because I'm I'm the Birchwood area realtor. <laughs> That's what I was calling it, you know. Why not run with it? And I was just calling all Birchwood. Hey, I own the house. You probably have seen it, driven past it. I'm just going you, give me a courtesy call anyway. Circle prospecting, and I, I say, hey, have you considered selling? Well, values are this good. She says, maybe. i like, what? But that client. Helped her move. We got her out of a house that was backed up against the highway, which she had tried to sell three years prior, but it didn't move because of the market. We got her out into the county on a nice half acre with an RV spot for their RV, which wasn't covered, with a giant garage, which they didn't have a garage, with a big yard for the grandkids. And now they're retired only three years later because that was just what their trajectory was. And I love seeing the posts on Facebook. It's honestly one of the most rewarding and satisfa- satisfying things to see, is that they got away from the highway and they're out in the county enjoying the life they had envisioned, but just didn't, ha- didn't have the path to get there. I mean, that's one of the just the coolest things that uh, I never anticipated happening and even maintaining that relationship. It's kind of a bummer because it's like, man, if I was still selling, like, I know she's got so many friends. <laughs> yeah, I could have built a business right there. <laughs> but pretty, pretty cool to experience that.
0: Yeah, what, what, what kind of lessons do you think you took away from that seven-month period that
1: are helping you now or, or helped you in subsequent businesses? So probably the most valuable thing right off the bat is, like, time blocking it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's just like being able to focus and time block on what the task at hand is. So there's just like a, I don't want to say military cause I wasn't in the military, but there's almost like a very, like just a militant approach. And I loved it. Uh, cause there's so much structure. I think um, I've talked to a lot of agents over the years and usually they're asking me for marketing advice. Cause that's really, if you want to talk to me about something that I know the most about it's, a, it's going to be in marketing. And um, one thing I've always found is that a lot of agents don't have a focus. I talked to one today. I said, what do you specialize in? He goes, well, you know, I can do commercial, uh, do a handful of multifamily. Every once in a while, I do some rentals. I've got some condos, and, but really good with single families. I was like, so you don't have a specialty. You don't have any focus. You're all over the place. He's talking about what channel of marketing to use, but he didn't even know what his focus was. And that's one thing that I came away from. Like if you take time blocking and the concept of it and you really understand the basis of it, and why it exists, you can apply it to anything. And so like coming in every day at nine o'clock or it might've been like 8.45 as scripts. Nine o'clock to 12 o'clock, you're doing calls. You do 150 calls till you make 20 contacts so you book an appointment. And if you don't book the appointment, you keep calling. If you book the appointment and you're at 16 contacts, you got four more contacts to go. If you've got your appointment and 20 contacts, but you're at 130 dials, get to 150. And if you did that every single day, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? (laughs) Blind squirrel eventually finds a nut. I mean, I got a listing off a circle prospecting. I'm not saying that was the most amazing business model to follow, but it showed like that discipline of output will yield results. And then it's, then you can refine of like, what's the right thing. So for some who were on the team, they did a phenomenal open houses and I couldn't tell you, I don't understand it. I'd watch them do the exact same property I did an open house on and walk away with appointments. And I would ask, what'd you say? Like, how'd you do it? What's your sign in sheet look like? What'd you wear? I'd try something similar and it totally break. That wasn't my output channel. My output channel was over the phone and talking to people about deals. I'm a deal guy. I don't, I don't understand the, like I said, like the, you get to luxury. I took a luxury listing and it just flopped. It was terrible. It was miserable. I didn't know how bad the house looked on the inside. It was so cluttered. I could tell how cluttered the photos were the the year later when I saw a different agent have that same house for a listing. (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't sell it. You know, the photos were terrible. You know, I didn't tell them to make their front yard green before we listed. Because I didn't see those things. That's not my thing. So just by understanding um, focus in. In whatever it is, if it's in your marketing angle, great. If it's in what you're doing at the moment, great. If it's in how you spend, spend, spend your time, great. And taking that and applying that in just everything else, man, I, that, was a, that was a game changer for me. And probably one of the most impactful things that Ben said to me was, well, he, he shared it with everyone. He's like, I've read Millionaire Real Estate Agent. I didn't reinvent the wheel. I just did what the book said. And even though I came into, here I was as a rookie agent I could spend a million bucks on Facebook ads. I know how to do it and I'd done it. I could go out and buy email ads. I know SEO in and out. I know how to do video marketing. And I did none of it because I didn't know the basics of the system yet. So all those things would have just, they would have magnified mistakes. So I I stuck to the the basics and focus on, okay, well, if I've just got to get one appointment and it takes 20 contacts after 150 calls and that's all we got to do until we learn how to do this business right.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. I mean, there's a ton of different ways to to get clients, make money, totally. But at, at, at the end of the day, they all require you to focus on it and, and, and block time. I think that's one of the the struggles that agents and entrepreneurs have. Like you, you typically don't have a boss or even a team leader or broker that's gonna you know, make sure you're on the phone or make sure you're doing lead gen or, or video marketing or whatever it is that, that, that <laughs> you're, you're, you want to focus on. No one's going to sit down and force you to do that.
1: Yeah, totally. And, you know, when, when you, you know, obviously one of the advantages to being on a team versus doing it yourself, that's why I was saying transaction coordinators. T- transaction details are just not my thing. It was probably my biggest fear about becoming an agent was thinking, I got to keep track of deadlines and like check boxes and, and deposits. I'm like, I, I can't, I, I like that, that freaks me out. Uh, I would much rather like gamble my money than do that because it just, and I'm not a gambler. So, you know, that kind of stuff freaks me out. So it's like a, joining a team was one of the things that was immediate. I knew if I'm going to be half a you know, half successful in this business, I, I I'm going to need that support. I'm going to need someone to lean back on. Uh, and that was, I mean, that's the only, I think it was the only way I got any of the deals done. <laughs> that and our designated broker, she was kind of amazing and answering all of my questions every day.
0: Yeah. I, I think on a team, it's the, the right team can, can add
1: a lot of value from, yeah. from the,
0: the, the coaching and the accountability to just having other hardworking people around you that kind of create, I think in the perfect world, you get this environment that's a little competitive and a little collaborative like a, a mix of both and, uh, and
1: yeah it sounds, like, sounds like that's kind of what you had yeah totally Are you a new real estate agent struggling to get your business off the ground, or an experienced agent looking to get to the next level, or something in between? Dan and Kerry have created an Inner Circle specifically designed to help you. In the Inner Circle, you'll get weekly training videos, access to interviews from top agents around the country, and the chance for direct access to billion-dollar agents, Kerry and Dan. You will have access to the same systems they use to train their team of $250,000 earning agents. Sign up now for a free trial period by going to hyperfasttrial.com or innercircletrial.com.
0: What's been the biggest challenge in, in the, the businesses you're in now, uh, you know, since since your time in, in, in real estate?
1: Yeah, so uh, so when we relocated to Nashville, I, the, the idea was not to get a job. I did not, uh, or, or was to get a job. I didn't want to start an agency. So I was going to go get a job. And... Actually, initially, I, was, I, I ended up getting recruited by, uh, I won't say the company's name, but I ended up getting recruited by a company. They wanted me to lead the real estate lead generation. And uh, they weren't a brokerage, but they work in the space. And so it makes a lot of sense. I was like, I, I have the marketing chops. I've led marketing teams. I've actually been an agent. I've gone through a lot of, of like, I have this. And for whatever reason, didn't get the job. But after that, I couldn't get an interview, let alone I, I And I, I was trying to think through, like, what is this? Is this my resume? Because like, it looked all kinds of weird, right? First, I was product marketer, uh, manager, and then I was at an ad tech company. And then I was a, then I was a realtor. Like, who was this guy? I was Like, I wouldn't call him me either. So I got backed into a corner where I thought, well, I'm going to start an agency. The biggest challenge is I'd never worked with agencies, and I'd never worked at an agency. So I had no idea, really, what the things were. To set up to put in place and now I had other resources like what I learned as an agent and I was still taking in some of those lessons I think But I just didn't know how to do it. I floundered for probably a solid uh, I'd say like six months Trying to figure this out, you know, what did I want to go after and I would think about all the dream brands and that I was going after wanted to work with and it was had me scattered, you know going back to that piece on focus, right? I was scattered. How could I? You know, my passions is riding BMX. You know, I love action sports. I love real estate. How can I do all this at the same time? And genuinely, you're not going to be able to. It doesn't make sense. So I ended up investing in some education, spent like, I don't know, 2,500 bucks or whatever on some program. Wrote down some goals. First goal was to never drive Lyft again, (laughs) right? Because I was driving, man. I was doing 14-hour days driving Lyft in Nashville you know taking contracts on upwork which are terrible you know the low paying comp contracts were always the worst because they, it was a small job to start they'd never be happy with what you delivered and then it always ask for more on top every time without fail so you know i learned some hard lessons there i got burned on a contract so i was like that's it i got to invest in this you, you can't be afraid to make money it was scared money don't make no money i think that's the phrase yep and uh i got i got half you know, half a days into some of the online materials. I was like, holy crap. I started seeing the light. I was like, I got all the bones. I just got to put them together. And it was in that initial process where I did a, an exercise you'll find in the book, The Sales Machine. I think, I think that's what it's called, Chet Holmes. And it's building your dream list. So I, I was like, all right, I got to build the dream list. Who are my 100 dream clients? And I started writing down the dream clients, Red Bull, Rockstar. It's like yeah, that would be fun. Did you, started, did you get that
0: from uh, from Russell Brunson? The hundred dream, the dream list. No, so because he, he talks about that a lot.
1: Well, he, I mean, he didn't invent it, yeah. but Russell Brunson, interestingly enough, the connection to him, uh, a former media buyer for Russell Brunson, his name is Justin Brooke. He runs a company called Ad Skills, and he also pushes the Dream List. So the Dream List is just a beautiful concept, and honestly, anybody, and I mean this, I mean anybody. Can do this in any industry. It, it does not have boundaries. You're a residential real estate agent, you work in a town of 1,000 people, you can make a dream list and you should. You should not do it. You should do it. So I made a dream list at 100 clients. And as I got to like 10, I realized how unfocused it was. That's how good this exercise is. You know, you have to put the company name, the contact, their address, their phone number, their social handles. And then it was like, I started kind of digging a little bit. I was like, well, real estate, there's a lot of real estate companies out there, but I don't want to work with brokerages. And I got a lot of reasons and we can get into that too. But I was like, I want to work with the next big thing, the tech. And I just heard about Open Door. I was like, well, Open Door, made they've raised a lot of money. I'm starting a business. I'm an agency. Don't point your agency at businesses that don't have no money. Point them at ones that do. So I started doing research around that. And that's what, that's really what got me past the challenge of how do I even build this brand new business that I've never worked in or never worked with into something that pays me. And it took me, you know, another five months before my business was paying me a salary of a hundred grand. And I was way faster than I thought it was going to be possible that I could get to. But it was just a little bit of education and then taking some lessons that I learned actually from being on Ben Kinney team about the time blocking that focus and then putting that all together. I mean, it just really solidified things. and built a a nice little agency. Uh, my, you know, my podcast played a part in that happy to share that too. But that, that challenge of like, how do you even start this brand new business and get it from zero to whatever you want to get it to. And it's structure and, and, and focus. And this is the part I think that people sometimes don't take seriously education is not and investing education. is not just a book. It's not just a course it's taking to heart of what it says to do and doing exactly what it says. If you don't have a system, go buy a system. Because the most expensive thing is your time. Yep. <laughs> and if, if you, if you're not willing to give up your money for your time, you're not serious. I, I, I you know, you, you need to give the money to get the time and building your business on your own and taken two years longer to do it, maybe you like that. Maybe that's your thing. I don't, I don't get it. You know, I I'd rather spend a little bit of money and get it done in three months. And, you know, now looking back, like probably a lot of other things I could have done better, but I didn't do that fast enough. And I'm so glad I did it when I did it though.
0: Yeah. Well, no, well hindsight's, you know, always twenty twenty, And I, I think the most common thing that the people that have success Will say in terms of mistakes made, it's, it's probably not starting sooner or not investing in things sooner yeah. that would save them time. I mean, there's yep. just no, there's, there's no substitute for it. It's the, it's like the only finite resource there is. I,
1: I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, it's absolutely true. And, you know, you, you've got to invest in your education. And if you look, if you're willing to put the money up for it, I, I would actually go this far. what you spend the money on education for if you genuinely believe was not good enough you should have enough gall to ask for the full refund i don't care what the guarantee was it wasn't worth it ask for the refund however if it's good enough if it's half as good as what you spent on it you need to do it to the fullest with no if ands that's otherwise why did you even bother and and, and, because you got to get you know you need a system under your belt you need to know what you're doing um, you know, that agent, I said reference, I spoke to earlier today. I was asking what are you doing? Like you do a buffini training, you got Tom Ferry, like what, what's your, what's your regiment here? That's getting you to that next level. Cause you, you gotta have something driving you because if you don't know how to do it and you're not following someone else who's already shown, they know how to do it. Like I, I feel like you're just wasting your own time. And, and really at the end of the day, you're the reason why I burned through six agents. Cause you're not, you're not serving the consumer. You're not going to be able to because you don't know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, you you've talked a lot about focus. Yeah, and it was it was clear at the at the you know when you're selling real estate, you focused on listings. Uh, what about since then, like on the uh, your your marketing agency, on the the, the rental uh, property management uh, yeah. platform? like what what would you say your focus? you know, was in there or is in those areas.
1: Yeah. So, so with the agency, what I, what I ended up deciding focus was going to be was early stage prop tech companies. So property technology, this is real estate and tech together. You can be on a finance angle. You could be on a buy and flip, buy and hold, whatever. There's all kinds of things, but really just first, let's start property technology. It's in real estate and tech. And I decided early stage, early stage means they're, pre-seed, seed, or maybe a funding series stage. The reason for those stages is that venture capitalists who fund those businesses tend to want to see 100% year-over-year growth. And to see that type of growth, you tend to have to have very quick-to-market marketing channels. And oftentimes, it's paid advertising. And that's what my agency did as a service, was paid advertising. So we're you know great at Google search, display, Facebook, YouTube. Okay. That's the the basics. So if I position myself as, Hey, I'm the guy who knows the landscape of prop tech and I'm really good at paid advertising, then it's not that hard to sell for an early stage prop tech company who secures a round of funding to hire me as the agency contractor to then help them achieve their growth metrics so they can get to the next stage. And, this is where the dream list comes in as I'm creating the dream list. I realized what I've created is a prospect list for my podcast. And what I did with the podcast, I basically turned a podcast into my sales funnel. So Dan, I'm sure you get a ton of these Hmm. on LinkedIn. Someone connects with you. They're like, Uh, Hey, we got a few friends in common. Right. (laughs) And then they send you the follow up, uh, check out my thing, blah, blah, blah. Book a time on my calendar. Not going to happen. However, Dan, if I messaged you and said, "Hey, Dan, I I was looking at your website. Uh, it looks like we have a, a bunch of friends in common. Also, I'm pretty impressed with some of the guests you had on your show previously, like Billy Jean and Grant Cardone. Like, I would also, be, I would actually be honored to to feature you on my podcast. Would you be up for discussing that? Right. So I'm not asking for your commitment. I just ask you to discuss it. Which we can talk sales scripts in a minute if you want. But you're going to say you're more likely to say yes because I have a show that features. Prop tech founders, leaders, and innovators. That's what I feature. And, and you're that guy. And I want to feature you. I'm, I'm actually edifying you. So I would get the pre-interview phone call, emails back and forth. I'd get the phone call. And on the phone call for the interview, you get the, post, the pre-show and post-show discussion. And then I get to follow up after the show with a deliverable all before I'd ever even bring up the topic of us working together. So I've built so much rapport with you. We've had time to discuss. And the whole time, while it sounds like, well, Nate, all you're trying to do is sell people. That's actually not correct. What I was trying to do was filter out who I wanted to be my client. I'm actually interviewing them to see if they're good enough to be my client. And there was multiple where that was not the case. I was not interested and didn't want to go through. And so while I had a list of 100, you know, so I'm only on podcast... uh I think I've got up to like 90 recorded, but I think we've only published like 80 some up to this point. So I still hadn't even worked through the list, you know, and it's just great because I've actually weeded out so many companies in that process and it cost me very little in lead generation. It didn't add to my time and schedule and it really refined who I was spending my time talking to. So instead of taking in 30 leads, and trying to get appointments with them all and being on the phone and stressing myself out as a, as a salesperson, I was just having great conversations like this. Uh, and the podcast itself uncovered a lot of things that I would uncover in a client discovery. And to bring this whole thing home, when I started that agency, it wasn't what I wanted to do, as I mentioned. I was actually just trying to get a job. But look, if no one's going to interview me, you know, I'm not going to sit on my hands. I'm going to go make something happen. So I started a business. You know, A few months in, yeah, it's doing good. It's, I was actually making more money than I had ever made in any other job, which was great. But I had three exit strategies from the start. The first one was someone would buy me. They would buy the business. It wasn't very likely, but I knew that could be, it was a far-fetched option. The second one is I would discover a product. right? I would either create one or make one or license one or something and go all in on the product. And I came very close to licensing a rental uh, software platform that You know, it was popular in India, but hadn't made its way to the US yet. And that third one was, I would find a client that I'd love to join their team full time. And then here comes the veil. They reached out to me. They had some news. They wanted to get featured on the podcast. I booked the CEO, co-founder Ryan Kuhn to come on the show, interviewed him. In the post-show discussion, revealed, no, I don't make my money on a podcast. I run an agency. It's for early stage prop tech companies that need to leverage paid media for growth. I had no idea. They just closed the round of funding and needed to hire a media buyer. And what ended up happening was they hired me contract to be a media buyer. we loved working with each other so much. And they were like, Nate, can you move to Chicago and join the team full time? And from that perspective, it was just like, well, you're going to have to talk to my wife and convince her. <laughs> Cause uh, that's a big deal. But uh, you know, that, that all worked out and it, it It sounds too good to be true, right? I started a business with one of three ways to get out of it of finding a client that I'd want to join full time. And then I had the system on how to find clients to build that business. And I leveraged this media channel as the sales pipeline to do that. And then through that, I found the perfect client that was looking for someone like me to come on as a director that I would want to join full time. And holy crap, it all worked. But I mean, that's the point of a system. That's the point of all that focus. And so, you know, now I'm all avail. I don't do any other client uh, contracts. Uh, My podcast, I still keep going with the podcast, but now it's total market networking, it's research. I learn a lot about what's happening in our industry from those conversations. Who's talking to, who's funding what, what challenges they're facing, what's working in their business funnels. I mean, I'm getting all this intel. And for me, as far as I'm concerned, long-term, it's a fantastic positioning. Cause when we blow up a veil and a veil becomes either the, the new market leader or is acquired by someone even bigger, uh, whichever direction that ends up going, uh, I'm not going to be sitting out and saying, now what I'm going to be fielding requests. And I, I know that's part of my positioning. And I see that long-term.
0: Yeah. I think one of the benefits, some people probably don't see in, in doing a podcast and really anybody can, can start one. But one of the benefits is you, you learn a lot from the people that, yeah. you bring on the show, right? you know? I mean, there's, there's the rapport building and networking and building up your business, but yeah. you, learn, you learn so much
1: as well. And, and it's kind of cool that you, it's unfair. How much a podcast host actually gets to learn. And I, I, it's totally I, unfair how much a podcast host gets, you know,
0: I, I think it's also pretty cool that you, you had the three different exit strategies in mind. I think that's probably one area in real estate that doesn't get talked a lot about and real estate agents probably don't have one or, or most that do their exit strategy is just do it forever until until i can't like so so i think if you're no. an agent out there you need to start an or any entrepreneur really it's
1: like you gotta you gotta have some options on on the exit well i mean look at it this way right well when, when everyone's ready to go back to vacationing okay you might know that your destination is, I don't know. I don't know where people vacation. I, I don't think I do it like everyone else. Maybe you want to go to Yosemite. Uh, actually, this is probably relevant. Uh, yeah, you want to go to Yosemite. You got to know how to get there. Like you literally got to know the road to get there. On, on a road trip, I didn't know that you couldn't take the 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 Western Pass later in the season. So I didn't get to go to Yosemite. It was blocked. <laughs> Too much snowfall. You know, so I've already been through that, literally. But I mean, you, if you don't have the exit strategy, like what is, what is the plan? Where are you going? And it doesn't matter how realistic or unrealistic it is. It's, it's really more about the direction because it could have multiple twists and turns. Like that's life. And everybody should know this. If, in real estate, if any, can, anything that can happen will happen eventually. It's just, just the matter of truth. So you got to have that strategy of what am I going to do? How do I get out of this? What's the next phase? What? Um... Speaking of exit strategy, we got time for a couple more questions before yeah. we gotta
0: go off. But what uh, what effect, if any, are you seeing uh, on your, your business, the rentals uh, from the coronavirus?
1: Yeah, very interesting stuff. Um, first off, uh, we've been mo- we've been monitoring payments data very closely. There's definitely been an increase of uh, late payments, partial payments, and non-payments. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Fascinatingly enough, uh, the day the stimulus checks first hit people's, uh, accounts was April 15th and April 15th over March 15th had a 300% increase of activity. In other words, people paid their rent using those stimulus checks. And so we're, we're following that very closely, uh, and how that's going to affect the months to come, especially if renters and landlords, especially the small landlords don't get relief. We, we did a study late March that found that 54%, and this was March, late March, that 54% of renters lost their jobs due to COVID-19. As everyone's been following the jobs reports, I hate to break it to a lot of people, but they're behind. In many ways, they're kind of like real estate uh, valuations. You know, They're after the deal has been done for several weeks, if not months. And so uh, it, we are Cautious about some things, but we're also uh, in a very good position. We've got a very good product, uh, somewhat mature for its stage. In that, uh, we handle so many different levels of service, and we also have a lot of uh, premium landlords on our platform. You know, applications for a lot of people and listings are down as people looking to move into new places, both purchase and rent, are down. The general trend in the United States the last few years according to the census, has been down on people moving. They're moving less frequently and they're not moving as far. So, you know, all those things considered, we're still doing good. We're, we're looking at uh, hiring. Uh, I'm writing out job descriptions and building out the next few hires that we bro- build in on the marketing. I know a lot of people are talking about scaling back to marketing, not us. We're, we're, we have been, since we left the office on March 11th, we have been on full on attack mode. Of build and conquer, and that's what we're going to keep going you can't you don't have time to sit back and and uh, enjoy the shade or just kind of moan about where things are at. It, you know yeah, more people ain't moving, yeah, applications ain't happening, but lease renewals are happening. People are paying their rent, people are finding a way to make things happen, and we can still solve problems in between there
0: yeah, and I, I still think for people in the real estate industry. The challenging times are an opportunity to expand and, and get more market share and totally you know, come out of this on the other side in a much better position than, than you went going in.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's the right attitude.
0: Well, glad, glad to see you guys are weathering it. Well, before we wrap up, I want to do our hyper fast round. If you're ready. Oh, let's do this. All right. Uh, just rapid fire questions and answers. What is the biggest piece of advice you would give to a real estate agent right now? Know your ideal client. All right. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business and how did you overcome it?
1: Thinking I know how to do everything and I bought some programs to teach me actually how to do it.
0: What is the, uh, the biggest piece of advice you'd give to a real estate investor
1: right now? Know your investment criteria. Stick to it. All right. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, I love this one. Uh, (laughs) traveling full time, driving around the United States, talking to technology leaders, working as a surrogate for a venture capital firm, or my, as my own agent, angel investor, putting money into the next big thing. All right. Well, you've got
0: some exciting, uh, exciting plans ahead. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up with you and watching that journey. And, uh, And I want to just thank you for being on the show. I know our listeners today got, are going to get a ton of value out of this. And it's just really cool to have someone with such a diversity in experiences and, and uh, you know bringing in the real estate aspects, property management, technology, podcasts, the agency. Really, really cool to, um, to, to have all of that. Uh, before we sign off, what is the best way for people out there to... Connect with you or learn more about what you're doing or all that good stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first, Dan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this has been so much fun to be on the other side of the microphone. So really appreciate it. Best way to get a hold of me at Nate Smoyer anywhere, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Of course, you can check out the podcast technest.io in all the major stores, app stores, all that kind of stuff. And then uh if you want to learn more about avail, what we do at Avail. It's just avail.co. co, but yeah, reach out to me on social because I mean that's that's my foundation. I'm very active and very responsive. Just don't send me a terrible LinkedIn can message, man. Just, <laughs> just send the request. No message necessary, man. I got like a hundred or so sitting right now. It's it's just a pain in the butt. So just yeah, send the connection
0: request. Yeah, the messages
1: are gotten more annoying. I'll will we'll say on, on <laughs> My email can email is area. very. Email is very easy to find. In fact, if you really want to reach me, just challenge, I'll challenge you on this. Just Google my name and phone number. You'll find it and give me a call.
0: All right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you don't get flooded, but uh, <laughs> thank you for being on the show. I yeah, enjoyed lot of fun. it. And, um, and, and, and I know our listeners uh, probably did as well. So thanks again.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Dan